Welcome to the Legacy Church Rome podcast. We're grateful you're tuning in today. For more information, visit our website, LegacyRome.com. We hope today's message empowers and encourages you. Deuteronomy chapter 26, as you're turning there, I also want to say thank you so much for your faithfulness with your tithes and your offering and your giving. You've allowed us to do some incredible things and help some people throughout this holiday, uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas season, and just every day you've allowed us to do some cra- uh, crazy, crazy things for the Lord of what he's doing through our faithfulness and through your giving. So thank you so much for that. And if you'd like to give today, our ushers will be at the doors you leave. You can fill out an envelope. You can text to give. Uh, use the app. Go online. However you give, thank you so much for your faithfulness with your giving today. Deuteronomy chapter 26. I'm going to be teaching today. I'm going to start a series called The Sacred Season. And we're starting this series today. And and in this, we are stating that as a church, that in 2024, this year, that we are making a decision at the beginning of this year that God will not get my leftovers this year. God will not get my leftovers this year, but God will get my first. He will get my first in giving, first prayer, my first thoughts. God, this year, this isn't going to be just a religion, but this year, it's going to be a relationship. God, you will not be just an afterthought. You will not be someone that I just tried to fit in my busy, hectic schedule. But this year, you're going to be my priority. God, you're going to be my first I don't want just to encounter you on Sunday mornings, oh God, but every day of my life, every day of this year, I want to I wanna encounter you. And we will do this this year by praying and fasting and giving. And over these next few weeks, I'm going to be talking about these things and how to align our lives with his word. And this sacred season is a time when we are going to dedicate this year to the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 1 through 4 and 9 through 11. I have several scripture today, so you can jot these down. It said, And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, And put it in a basket and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. And you shall go to the one who is the priest in those days and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the country which the Lord swore to your fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. Verse 9, he has brought us to this place and has given us this land a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house. This may sound like a season of working. This may sound like a season that's not fun, but... It's actually a season and a time to rejoice because we see this principle all throughout the Old Testament 
We see in the Old Testament God calling his people into these seasons he calls feasts. And God created these feasts for revelation and relationship. And this is why we are starting off this year in this manner. Because when we catch the revelation of who he is, we find out who we are. Matthew 6, just jot it down, says, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. Let us pray this morning. Lord, we thank you today for your goodness. Lord, we thank you today for your presence that we have already felt in this place today. Lord, I just pray that right now, Lord, that any distraction, Lord, we would just lay it down at your feet. Anything that may be fighting for our attention over these next few moments, Lord, we just lay those things down and we just declare that right now, Lord, we are fixing our eyes upon you. Our ears are in tune with your voice. Lord, we are looking at you today. We are listening to you today. And I pray, Lord, that as the word goes forth this morning, may it fall on the hearts and souls of men and women and students who are ready to receive it today, oh God. May it be like fire in their bones today. We love you this morning. The church said amen. Amen. I'm going to teach some this morning and set up these next few weeks for you because I believe that more than likely as I look around is that uh, I would uh, imagine that there are people in this room that your goal is to one of your goals is to grow in Jesus Christ this year it's your desire that by the end of 2024 you will be more mature in the spirit you will be at a different spiritual location than you are right now. And more than likely, majority of the people in this room, that's why you are here, because you want to grow. You, you want to grow in your wisdom and your knowledge of the Word and Jesus Christ. You want to grow deeper. You want to expand your spiritual capacity this year. But to those that desire to grow, to those that desire to go to new places in the spirit this year. There is a price to growth. And this is what we are talking about today, setting ourselves in a place to grow, not only as individuals, but as a church. Because there's a lot of churches that may grow in numbers, but they are not growing as individuals. Amen? I don't know about you, but... I not only want my church to grow, but I want to grow. I don't know about you, but I not only want my church to grow, but I want my neighbors to grow. I not only want myself, my church, my neighbors, I want you to grow. Because who can testify that, 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 that growth takes work? Because everybody, it seems in January, everybody wants to lose weight. Amen? Everybody's thinking... I look bigger than I did in November. Everybody is saying, I need to get back on track. I lost my way. I, I, I lost my weight plan. I lost my workout plan over Christmas. Uh, but now I've got to get back on this diet. I've got to cut the sugar again. And I've got to get back to my workout plan. But the issue that we all know is the issue is that so many people don't put in the discipline and the structure that is required to get the result that we thought we were going to get January the 1st. Amen? Because life is measured by results. 
You are measured in life by your results. You are successful on your job by the numbers that you produce, by the results. You are deemed, uh, you are deemed an athlete. You are successful in your sport by the numbers that you produce at the end of the season. You are labeled rich or poor because of what, the, your, you, what you've produced, your results. And society is always looking for results. And we want those positive results. But so often, we don't like the work, the discipline. We don't like the process. We don't like what is required to achieve it. And speaking of things in the spirit, it is the same concept. To see the results that you desire, there are disciplines that are required before you see these spiritual results. And if you never change your discipline, if you never change your discipline, if you never increase your spiritual workouts, you will not see growth this year. I don't care how good the music is. I don't care how good the preaching is. I don't care how great you think your church is. But if you do not change some disciplines, you will not grow. This is why the world is full of Christians that have been saved all of their lives. Christians that claim, I was born in the church and I cut my teeth on the back of a pew. You've heard that one. This is why the church is full of so many people that have been saved for 20, 30 years, all of their life, but they still act like spiritual babies. And now we have churches that are full of attenders. Now we have churches that are full of shouters, but they cannot live and stay in victory because they are immature in the spirit. Because we want to shout, but we don't want to be a disciple. I want blessings, but I don't want to know the word. I want to be able to sing, but I don't want to cultivate it. We want the gifts, but we don't want to do what it takes to cultivate it. I want to preach like that. I want to teach like that. I want to be able to pray like that. But we don't want to take the time to cultivate that thing that God is calling us to. I want you to get this in your notes because if you if you want to dedicate this year to the Lord, if you want growth this year, you must be, number one, you've got to be devoted. If God is going to be your priority this year, it will take devotion. The concept of this first fruit that we read about was initiated by God in Scripture and can really be tracked back to almost the very beginning of time in Cain and Abel. And Satan hates God being your priority. Whenever you decide, I'm putting God first, I'm giving God my first, Satan cannot stand it. And whenever you make the decision that God is my priority, you better be ready because enemies will come your way. We see as the children of Israel had become accustomed to the Canaanite way, they started bringing their first fruits to a false god. They started offering up uh, their offerings to idols. 
And we see the feast of first fruits coming into existence to really end this idolatry. And we see those principles all throughout Scripture. The first fruit promise for us that it, that is that as, as, as we give God our first in this sacred season, as we put God first this year, God will deal with the idols in our life. As we give God our first, the things that we worship above him will begin to decrease. Because now we are in this place if we are honest if I can be honest with you in the church for those of us here in America for those of us that are in this western modern day church we have watched the church evolve into something we have watched the church transition we've watched the church move throughout the years and now with we the church we are at a place of tolerating half obedience. We are at a place where we have idols in the church. We are at a place where we tolerate immorality. All because we have this skewed, weak uh, uh, view and definition of grace. Also that we can become attractional and build bigger crowds. Because now we are scared to call sin, sin. Now we can no longer stand up. We feel as if we can no longer stand up to some cultural icons out of fear of losing people. I was telling first service, I know a pastor that's announcing to his church this morning that he is in a lawsuit because someone inside of the church is suing him because of what he has said about the homosexual community, calling it a sin. He's being sued by someone inside of the church. And now here we are because the church is full of spiritual babies instead of disciples. And we have taught that grace is your excuse just to keep sinning. And we, and we keep saying God is a God of first and second and third chances. And praise God, he is. But that is not your excuse to keep watching that junk. That is not your excuse to keep partying. That is not your excuse to keep sleeping with those people. But grace is your excuse. Grace is a gift from God that he gave to you so that you could turn from your wicked ways. And in this church, the church has traded her power for popularity. And now we're operating in this state of fear. This is why we have to be a people that are fully devoted. This is why we've got to raise a generation inside of the church today that know they have to put God first. This is why we need children's ministry, not child care. Some of you didn't like it that we didn't have child care. And I said, why? <laughs> That's why you should volunteer in children's ministry. Because we are raising a generation. It's not child care. But it's prepping a generation to say, I will put God first. I may be in second grade, but I'm going to put God first in second grade. I may be in fifth grade, but I'm going to put God first. This is why you need youth ministry. This is why you should volunteer. Because we are raising a generation that desires to put God first. We've got to raise a devoted people that will declare, this year I don't care what anybody says about me, but this year I'm going to deal with my flesh. 
This year I'm going to deal with my own idols. This year I'm going to deal with my own sin. How am I going to do that? By putting God first. This is a year where I believe that there will be great division inside of the church. Once again, we are in an election year. And if you remember last election year, there was great strife in the church. White against black. Abortion, no abortion. The issue of homosexuality. And if you don't watch it, that same divisive spirit will creep into churches again that have not put God first. If you want 2024 to end in a new spiritual location, you must change your pursuit. Somebody say pursuit. Because whatever you pursue is what you become. If you want this year to end different, you've got to make a choice at the beginning of what you are going to pursue. Get this, because one of the greatest problems that we have is our improper pursuits. Pursuing the wrong thing. Pursuing the wrong lover. Pursuing the wrong dream. Pursuing the wrong career. Pursuing the wrong destination. Because so much in our lives would change if we could just fix what we are pursuing. You need to quit pursuing people to like you and start pursuing the one that gave his life for you because he loves you. You've got to stop pursuing popularity and start pursuing his presence this year. Because when you change your pursuit, you will change your outcome. The world is demanding that you change your pursuit. The world is telling you that if you want to make it in this year, if you want to make it in America, you've got you've to pursue certain things. The world is telling you you've got to pursue money. The world is demanding that you keep up with your neighbor. The world is demanding that you look a certain way. The world is demanding that you get that Stanley Cup. The world is demanding that you be noticed. Come on, somebody. That you be noticed by you crazy people at Target, demanding that you look a certain way. But if you seek him first, the word says, I will add all of these things to you. The word doesn't say just to seek the kingdom, but it says seek the kingdom first. Get this. This is what it says to seek first. You need something to seek this year. You need some goals. This is it. This is, this is from the word. This is not from me. This is from the word. Seek first. Kingdom and righteousness. Do you want to know what you need to pursue? Kingdom and righteousness. Get this. He does not say seek blessings. I'm about to make some people mad. It's okay. Happy New Year. It doesn't say seek miracles. There's a time for that. But first, no. He doesn't say seek deliverance, but instead he says seek kingdom and seek righteousness. He said if you seek my kingdom and your righteousness, then all of these other things I will give to you. Seek kingdom and righteousness, and guess what? You'll see deliverance because deliverance is a consequence of proper pursuit. Healing is consequence of proper pursuit. And now we've got all of these people in the church. Lord, hear my, Lord, I need you to get my marriage back together. I need you to do this. But you, 
You are not living a righteous life. And he's saying, seek the kingdom, seek righteousness. Because if people just understood the authority that we have in the kingdom, if they understood the power that the righteous people possess, it's all about shifting pursuit this year. Get this. Righteousness means to be in right standing, to be in alignment, to be in the proper fellowship with authority. So when you are righteous... It means that you are in fellowship with the one in authority, God. But whenever you stop this first fellowship with God, you step out of righteousness. And whenever you step out of righteousness this year, you are literally setting yourself up for the enemy to come in and still kill and destroy your year. First means in the beginning of. First in time, first in place. The word first is connected to the word foundation. It's where you begin in building. Foundation is what everything else is built upon. Putting God first must be part of your foundation. We sing, Christ is my firm foundation. The way you make Christ your foundation this year is to put him first. If you want your marriage to succeed, guess what? He must be the foundation of your marriage. If you want your business to succeed, guess what? He must be the foundation of your business. If you want your life to be successful this year you must put him first and make him the foundation of your life because no matter what you do no matter how much money you have no matter how big of a loan you take out to put into your business it will not survive if you do not put God first this year it doesn't matter how happy you try to portray yourself you will never find joy until you put him first come on somebody because without a seek first foundation foundation, you cannot handle the blessings that God wants for you. He's looking for somebody that not only sings about their foundation, but has proof that he is their foundation. He is looking for a church that will be devoted to him. They will not wax cold this year. He's looking for a student that desires to be more like him. He is looking for children that have faith to move the mountains. And this only happens when you seek God first. Write down Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 2. He says, I remember the, de- I remember the devotion of your youth. He was saying I remember the love you had for me when this relationship started. I remember how you just could not close the Bible. I remember it like it was yesterday, how you would just pray all throughout the day. He said, I remember how you would worship me, not just on a Sunday morning, but you was you was. You had it bumping in the car and you were in your closet and you were getting ready in the bathroom and you would, I, I, he said, I remember that. I remember you were hungry for me. I remember the devotion that you, I remember when I was your priority. He said, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord, the first fruits of the harvest. Get this, the word devotion in Hebrew means to be bound to marriage. Fidelity. 
to literally be tied to. See, whenever I am devoted, I am tied to the Lord. And whenever you are tied to something, whatever, wherever it goes, you go. How many of you have one of those kids that's stuck to your side? Come on. And you're like, leave me alone. Every time you turn around, you're tripping over them. You're out shopping and you're just walking all over like, come on. They are devoted. Devoted. Whenever you are devoted to the Lord this year, it's saying, wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you move, I got to move with you because I am literally tied to you. And whenever I am devoted, whenever I put God first in my heart, he puts me, it puts me in God's hands. When I put God in my heart, it puts me right in God's hands. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they what? Shall they will be filled. It says, Blessed are those that are hungry and thirsty. This word hunger is different than the word craving because a craving is something very quick it's very temporary, but a hunger is something that is down deep. And I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to stop worshiping him. This hunger and thirst, it lasts forever. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to stop praising him. I don't know about you, legacy, but I don't ever want to stop giving to him. But I want to hunger for him. I want to thirst for him this year. The word says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul, my soul, it's not craving. It is longing for you. I don't know about you, but God, I want more of you this year. I want more of you in the church. I want more of you in my house. I want more of you on my job. What I have is not enough, God. I want to grow this year. I want to thrive this year. I want to reach my goals this year. And God, I can't do it unless I get more of you. God, I am hungry for your presence. God, I am hungry for your word. God, I am hungry for your glory. God, I am hungry to see heaven come down to Rome, Georgia. God, I want to see a move this year. God, I want to be right in the middle of revival. But God is speaking to the church. He said, I remember your devotion the first time. I remember the devotion when you first found me. And I believe that God is waking up the church in this year. And he is stirring her up. And he's calling the church back to the first love. There is something moving in the spirit. And God is moving his people to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Until the trumpet sounds. Until those skies split. Until I hear him say, well done, I declare today that until we see his face, until we step through the pearly gates, we will be a church that is hungry. 
I don't know if you got that. I said, until we see his face, until we are standing by him in heaven, we will be a church that is hungry. We will be a church that will worship him more than anything. We will praise him more than we praise people. All of my devotion, all of my glory, all of the honor we give to you first, God. Are you ready? This year, I'm going to give God more of my time and my praise than I give to my favorite sports team. Whew. Some of you are more tore up about the transfer portal <laughs> than you are those dying and going to hell. Whew, I feel like I'm stirring something up. You're more upset about a coach about a player than you are people dying and going to hell. And that is spiritual immaturity. Hmm. I was watching, I was telling first service, I was watching a commercial and Gomer Pyle come on. He said, well, I'll be. When I was doing this message, I thought, well, I'll be. I'll be if I'm going to give a high school sports team more of me this year than I give to the God that created me. Well, I'll be if I'm going to give my college team more energy than I give to the God who saved me. Well, I'll be if I'm going to give the gossiper, the slander, the lying lips, the divider, those that are stirring the pot more attention this year than I give to the God who knew me inside of my mother's womb. Come on, who can testify? Devil, you're not getting my attention this year. Devil, you're not getting my sleep this year. Devil, you're not getting my affection this year. Devil, you're not getting in my mind this year. Devil, you're not getting in my house this year. Devil, you'll get your hands off of my children this year. Devil, you are not getting me this year. I said, Devil, you are not getting Chase Wholesome back this year. I don't care what hell I have to go through. You are not getting me this year because when I wake up in the morning, guess what I'm going to do, Devil? The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give God my first kind of praise. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is my priority. I'm going to be blessed in the city. I'll be blessed in the field. I'm going to be blessed when I come. I'll be blessed when I go. Because this year, guess what? I'm ascending. I'm not getting in the valley with the gossipers. I'm not getting in the weeds with my haters. But I'm ascending. My eyes are upon the Lord. And I'm staying here. I, why? Because I am hungry. I am thirsty. And I want more of God. Band, help me out. This year, you are going to lose some battles that you give more attention to than you give God. And you will win the battles by giving more attention to God than you give to your battle. What is your priority this year? I asked first services question. If your family members, if the people in your house, 
if I ask them to list your priorities in order, what would they write down and in what order? Because this year, I not only want to know my priorities, but I want every person I come in contact to know my priorities. Because when other people know your priorities, it'll keep you out of trouble. If they know that you put God first, they won't invite you to the club. They won't invite you to go out for a drink. Because they know your priorities. You can save yourself from a lot of awkward conversations just by letting people know your priorities. 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 I misquoted this first service, but I saw something on somewhere. It said, don't confuse loneliness with holiness. Because whenever you are righteous, you're set apart. And you won't get invited to everything. Praise God. You may not be in that inner circle that you were in last year. but it's a gift from the Lord because he's trying to get you somewhere that you could not get to when you were connected to the heavy weight of what you thought was your inner circle. Priorities. Priorities. If people were asked your priorities, what would they write down today? What order because I not only want to know my, my priorities, I want you to know my priorities, and I want the devil to know my priorities. I want the devil, when he's making plans for this year for me, I want him to go ahead and say, we might as well not even mess with him because he's already put God first this year. Whenever he's making plans for Legacy Church, I want him to go ahead and say, we might as well just give up on Legacy because they've already put God first this year. And there's no way I can send somebody in there to divide what God is already doing. There's no way I can plant a gossiper in there because there's discernment in the house. There's no way I can plant a lie up in there because their priorities are in the right place. What are your priorities this year? Thanks for listening. We hope to see you this Sunday at Legacy Church. 